<laughs> just before I start, I really just got to come back into this. Yeah, that's good. Mm. So this is the prayer part, okay? I'll make it short. Father, true. You're just so amazing, man. So amazing. Just blows my circuitry. How you can come to the weak and the foolish in the middle of a dark cave. Lift me up out of the miry clay. Wash my face and shine your heart and revelation of your face into mine and completely imprint me with the rest of my life. That's what you did. You imprinted me with you that completely set the course for every day of my life. And that, that journey is one into the very heart of God into the very place of where I left that I might return. It's, uh, <clears throat> it's never been about human ability, human wisdom, human strength. It's only ever been about your will and me allowing myself to climb into that chariot. There have been individuals in this chariot. Elijah. (laughs) The mystic ladder of life that you want to bring to every human being that's ever lived. To call them into a choice of knowing you. And yet, many turn away from this ecstasy of love from this place of incredible well-being that goes so far beyond anything Lucifer can offer or even knows exists. Unbelievable, Father. Now that's a place that I can sit back into and rest. True. Hmm. That even if you choose... To make me foolish in the face of human intellectualism. Yet in that place rests the very wisdom of God, the very ecstasy of your love, the very light of your glory, of who you are, that comes into the midst of our matrix to call us. Just like you did Kevin Costner in the Field of Dreams. Mm-hmm. Is anybody out there? Is anybody listening? Are we wakening up to the sound of the voice of the Father calling into the midst of the matrix, into the midst of darkness, the very valley? Of the pit where Lucifer lives, moves, 
Did you know who the Lord of this world is? The one that controls and rules? The one that has set up systems? It's Lucifer. But in the midst of these, God, the Creator, the Alpha and the Omega, the one that sits on the mountain, Zion, the one that rules, the one that has a bride, the God of the universe, the great I am, speaks in a whisper into the midst of the sewer, calling forth those that would hearken unto him, those that would open their ears, not just to hear, but to listen, because he is love. Mm. Mm. We live at a pivotal moment in the history of humanity. And I'm prophesying. In the very pivotal moment in history of humanity right now. Where the ecstasy of God, the very thing that Christ himself lived within, the joy is being released. In the past, there has only been individuals that here and there that listened as well as heard and began to come into the very blast of the Shekinah glory of God. And we read about them. But where are they today? We settle for so little. I can't. Not because I'm different than you, but because I have seen and tasted of the eternal world. I am messed for this. Like Costner, must build the diamond in the middle of the field. It made no common sense, none whatsoever, but he just didn't listen. He heard a voice. Today, it doesn't matter how many are here. I said, Lord, do you want me to share this? But this word is not just for you, but it's for the principalities and the powers. This word I'm going to share is for the cloud of witnesses that they might know that I'm running the race with them today. This is from the mountain that I would cry out because I'm going to share today as a spy, one of the spies that went into the land, the promised land. They sent 10 spies in. Jacob and Joshua came back sorry, Caleb, came back with a positive story. They said that it is a land flowing with milk and honey. I'm going to tell you, like a spy, what's there for you. You see, Costner heard a word, but he had to build the diamond, didn't he? 
He had to build the diamond in order for the Father and the Son to unite and for the people to come to the shining of that glory. There was an event that was going to take place. And he had to prepare for it. He didn't know what he was doing. It started out when he was just walking around in a field looking at the crop. <laughs> hi, hi, Captain. Whee! Gotta love his presence. Oh, God. I could never do this without your presence. You know that, Father? <laughs> yeah. Jesus said I couldn't have either. Ah, ah. That's why he sent the Holy Spirit for us. The thing that's most peculiar to me is... (laughs) Does anybody feel this? At all? This is the most peculiar thing to me. I feel like I'm melting. (laughs) Maybe I'm crazy. God, am I crazy? Should I leave the field alone? I don't know. (laughs) All right. The wine is good. Yeah, okay. I'm going to preface this just to give you this for a second. There's nothing wrong with you. But what you need to realize is when you see a manifestation, this isn't like I'm speaking in tongues. Right? And then you go, oh, he's speaking in tongues. That's just a gift. This happened in Nashville. I was in Nashville. I walked up to this guy. We hugged and went through three dimensions. In a few moments. And I could feel my spirit go up some more. And I was so high, I was blasted. What amazed me is when I came back into the room, all the people around me, five feet, ten feet away, were just talking away like nothing was going on. I'm, I'm asking God, God, I don't get this. Like, what is going on here? All I've known in the past is the anointing comes and people feel. What is going on here? How can these people just maintain the way they are and not know you are standing in the middle of the room. Is that possible? Well, sure it is. Obviously it is. That's what really blows my mind. You know? I haven't got an answer for that one yet. I've felt for a long time that it was really just about me. In other words, are you willing to do what I ask no matter what it looks like? Well, at first I was a little concerned. It's like, John, do you want to run around the room naked this morning? <laughs> kind of go home and you go, gee, that was probably not the brightest thing to do. But then after a while, you're so in, the, in this bliss, like really, right now, I'm ripped. You don't really care. Seriously. It's like, 
God's kissing you, and you can't really be concerned about anything else. I don't know why I'm going down this road for the moment, but I go down wherever he wants me to go. I had a dream starting Highlands at the beginning, and and I won't go into the details of the dream other than to say that um, God took all my teeth away and gave me all gold teeth. And also a cross stuck in my cheek right here, like a round cross, right in front of my eyes like a sights on a gun. It's funny how I've been focused on the cross now for a while. And there was gold dust all over my face, and I went into the bathroom. I didn't know until I went into the bathroom at a church, a big church, where there had been a lot of people come. And I looked in the mirror, and I wasn't all that excited about it. Right? I mean, it's one thing to have a gold tooth in the back and only show those people, Whoa, look what God did. It's another thing if all your teeth are gold. Where are you going now? Everywhere you go, everywhere you talk to somebody, when you smile, guess what they see? You are freaking weird. Right? Not to mention the gold cross sticking in your cheek and gold dust all over your face. It's like I looked in the mirror and I go, Really, God? Really? What's that? I'm a... Now look at me. That's ridiculous. Now I'm an obstacle. I'm a... I can't go anywhere now. What's going on? That's what I said to him. And I love God. I mean, really. He is amazing. Because do you realize you can whine and do all this stuff? And he's only got to ask one question. He always asks questions for some reason. See, I got all bummed out before about the pain I was having and not getting into ministry. And he asked me one question and I shut up. That was it. We were all done with that one. He just fixed her up with one question. He did it again. I'm there in this whole thing. And he all of a sudden, it's like, you don't, you know beyond a shadow of a doubt, you don't ask, is this the voice of God? Do you think that was God? I mean, it's like a defining moments, Kairos moments. Anybody had those? Where God spoke to you, you know beyond a shadow of a doubt, and it kind of like straightens everything up, right? He said this. John, didn't you say to me that I could do whatever I wanted to? Have you changed your mind? No. I'm sorry, Father. You just carry on and do whatever pleases you. I did not change my mind. You see, we're okay with God doing something that makes us feel good or look good. We may not be quite so excited if we were asked to lay on our side naked for three years. That's what the prophets... Everybody, you know what's funny to me? Everybody wants to be a prophet, but nobody seems to check the Bible out. Those guys were not... They were spectacles. Every one of them. Do you realize that? When I looked in the mirror, I was a spectacle. That's one of the reasons why this happens, I think. Yep. He was put in a hollow log and cut in two. I've read the Bible and never read that. Or never my brain, or maybe I just went over that. I don't want to read that, Lord. Really? Yes. 
See what I mean? <laughs> but it's okay because every one of them revealed the glory of God, didn't they? Every one of them impacted and is impacting the human race out of the sewer. We got this thing going on today in Christianity, the way I've understood it, that is really not real. It's like everybody's clamoring to have a position and nobody knows what that position really is, right? There's a cost. There's a cost. It's good, though. The Shekinah glory of God, it makes you do strange things. Right? It's like marriage. Marriage makes you do strange things. Right, ladies? Have babies. It's normally you just go, gee, I don't know if I really want to change the way I look and go through this, but... The payoff's amazing, isn't it? It's because you want to share the love you have with one another in the creation of this. Right? That's what happens. Right, Brad? (laughs) All right. This is probably the problem that I go on a lot. I think that's for some some of you to realize, oh, that's where I was. Thank you, Lord. I have to define this is what he wanted me to do. So this is not speaking in tongues. This is not a gift. It's a person. You know what? We're looking for God, aren't we? So when God comes and manifests in the room, forget about John, forget about Corey, think, oh my gosh, Jesus is in the room and I can get some of that. It's for you. We all have to find our way into this, and God is wooing you. That's okay. We're not to all be in the same place, and we all receive differently. There's no right and wrong, so you don't go, oh, gee, that's all competition in your head, right? Don't do any of that, right? But what you do is realize this. God is in the house. It is not either that or I'm an extreme emotionally unstable person you got to decide right and i mean you see me i go from sober to fairly drunk quite quickly without a bottle near my mouth it's amazing the only thing i get is thirsty how does no no never mind (laughs) so when we do that that's part of the honoring i'm talking about god is calling us to honor him, if we will honor his presence, whether it's on you at the moment or not, it will get to you. Because his, his desire is to bring you into it, right? He is. As long as you're looking from the outside in, you're not getting it. As long as you see it as a gift, just a gift, you're not getting it. It's a person. It's a person. I can't do this. I tried for 20 years to find his presence. I can't do this. It's being done to me. You see? It's Jesus. And signs are for a reason. They teach you how to get somewhere. 
That's one of the things I think that in revival that they never did is realized God was talking. Signs and wonders is it called, right? They're manifestations. They are a sign. When you see a red sign, you stop. You see a green light, you go. You see a right turn, you turn right. Without the sign, you get in a car accident, right? The signs in the manifestations in the movement were God speaking. Remember? Peculiar. Made me a spectacle, God. They are. We should go back to the whole Toronto thing and read the signs. We might just understand something. Instead of just going, that was crazy. Right? They were real things. We need to recognize signs. We're like the blind leading the blind. We need to know these things. I had a guy come into my house in the days, probably around 1995 or 96, I'm not sure. Oh, no, wait a minute. Oh, it would be 1994. And so he comes into my house and he goes, I can't go to work. I said, why can't you go to work? Because he says I'm in this pain. I said, are you hurting? He goes, no, but every so, I I don't know, every uh, 10 minutes or so, he said, he doubles over. And he goes, ah, and it can last for a long time. This guy's got a business to run. He's at my house asking me to help him. I'm standing there looking at him, and I said, buddy, there's a spirit of intercession on you. It looks like you're in childbirth is what it looks like. You may want to just go away and give way to this thing, because it seems to me that the Holy Spirit wants to intercede through you. Not just in the groaning, but actually actually start showing you some stuff. This is a sign to you that there's a spirit of intercession on you. Don't escape it. Give to it. But you see, we were very don't know. So all we were going was, my God, he got to go to work and he can't do it. And some wacko's going on to me. It's a manifestation. How do you get rid of this manifestation? By giving into it. How do you have a baby? Hello? Right? I just fell on the answer at the time, but I'm seeing it all clearly now. That's why we want to look. You know, Jesus would say, or, or God would say to the prophets, What do you see when you're looking at something? What do you see? What do you perceive? So, what we want to go through this morning is, this afternoon, is I want to talk about eternal life. Now, this is a big term, and there's many aspects to it. But I want to touch on it from the sake of this. This is what the Lord gave Corey, and if you look, it's what he's been doing in us and he's doing in the whole church, anyone that will. There's this diamond that we have to run, It's called love, intimacy, freedom, and eternity. You can't escape any of them, by the way. And you may go around the bases more than once. But the ultimate goal is home, to get home. The ultimate goal was the promised land, right? 
They needed to know where they were going when they went out into the wilderness, even though they could have did it in something like 11 days instead of 40 years. But they did have a destination called the Promised Land. You can choose whether it take 40 years or 11 days. We're all in different places with this. This is what's going on. So, first you have this revelation of Christ on the cross and salvation. But we got to go beyond that. Right? Something powerful happened at salvation. And again, I'm not going to get into all these. I'm going to move right on to eternity. Because a lot of it we've talked about. We haven't spent a lot of time on freedom yet. We've, I broke it down a wee bit. And we will go there more. But like Corey said last week, the fruit of, of love is intimacy. You've got to start to bear fruit of what's taking place. So the ultimate revelation of the fact that you're forgiven, to understand what the cross really did, is to move you into intimacy. And then once you start to come into intimacy, and that one we spent a couple of years on, so I'm not going to go there at the moment. Then the ultimate fruit of intimacy, when you're starting to come into intimacy, is freedom. It's to begin to understand that we are to be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect and that grace isn't a license to sin. Right? Grace is an empowerment to be free. So at salvation, we are cut from the the nature of sin, but still, why do saints sin? And we broke that down, Dutch sheets, what he talked about. Because I'm not going to spend a lot of time in these. There are in other messages that are on the site before this. So then, the fruit of it is, I start to walk in the freedom, right? I start to become a bondservant of Christ, and I begin to understand. But the goal of this, is when I hit the ball, the goal is to run home, across. If I don't cross home plate, no points. So the point or the destination is the promised land is the eternity or the eternal life. Right? To live in it. Okay. Is all in agreement? I kind of brought that together really quick, but that's just to pull you right to this point. Because we want to ultimately... Live on home plate. Yes, eternity is the fruit of the other three in your life. Okay? So let me first preface that a little bit with a statement here that might help. In John 17, 3, which I'll read some of these scriptures about eternal life in a minute. But there's different words for this. And the Greek word is... Ananos, or A-E-O-N-I-O-S, because I'm not Greek and I'm not real good at Greek. And the, the purpose of it is, to understand this, is this. There is an eternal, a word in the English that means the age now. There's eternity in the sense of outside of time. That you're outside of time and space. The eternal one, God. Right? Forever. It's in places such as eternal damnation, in places like that. That word is. So it does an extension of time. Well, it's not time, but forever and ever is what the English word would be. But 
There's also this term, which has got to do with this, that is what was in Christ. And that's what we're going to talk about. And it's here. It's called, um, clearly this life has nothing to do with eternity, but is a quality of relationship with Jesus Christ, who brings us into a present revelation knowledge and experience with the Father. The eternal life that's inside the Father. Okay, does that kind of make sense? If you want to do, do a research on it yourself, you'll see a breakdown. Now, the problem is, is it gets a bit distorted in here. Universalists try to grab it and use it to show that we'll all be saved, you know? And they have a truth. Their truth is that Christ died for the whole world. So, in a, in a sense, every human being is saved from God's perspective. Do you see this? From God's perspective, he was on the cross in Christ, dying for the whole world, every living human being. But that means you must choose it. That's the difference between what we believe in universalism, is that you must choose the gift. I can have a gift for you, but unless you take it from me, are you really going to enjoy it? So we must receive salvation, the gift that was already there. Once we receive it, it's ours. And so we're not here to condemn the world. The world's sins have been on the cross. What we're here to do is tell them the good news. That Jesus has made a new creation, a new way for them to receive that gift. It's good news. That's why we're not to judge. Why would I judge something that God already was crucified to take care of? They need the gift. Without the gift, they will be, what it says in John 3, they will perish. Everlasting separation in hell. Not a good thing, a real thing. In my experiences, I have smelt sulfur and flesh burning. In my coming to Christ. I know it exists. It is real. So no, we're going to end up at the end. Lucifer gets saved and we have a party. That's not the gospel. Be nice, wouldn't it? It'd be nice. Ain't going to happen. I, I think it'd be great if Lucifer, you know, we could go back in time before he fell and try to get him to straighten up. Because I'm sure he's a nice guy. Obviously, God loved him more than anything. He thought he was amazing. So you've got to see God's heart. We get sort of religious about this. God loved Lucifer. In fact, truth is, he probably still does. He doesn't love what he's done. But God is love. You see, we want to take sides. That's why I, I, I don't have to judge. Christ has been judged. All the sins you see being committed... I've already been judged and punished on Jesus Christ. They need to know they can be free. They need to make this journey. They need to be it, have it revealed to them. Does that make sense? That's why it's good news. This is great news. Everybody's won the lottery and they don't know it. So they live like they're peasants. And that's why the devil gets a field day with them. Okay. 
I'll go through a few scriptures quick. You can write them down, look them up if you want. But I need to give you the just of some scriptures on this. First John, John 1, starting at verse 1, says, What was from the beginning, and what we've heard, and what we've seen with our eyes? This is a word for, for us, a testimony from the disciples who were with the word of God, Jesus. Good to listen to these guys. They were there. They said that we've seen with our own eyes what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life and the life that was manifested. And we have seen and testify and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father, was manifested to us, the disciples, the apostles, and what we have seen and heard we proclaim to you also, so that you too... Are you ready? May have fellowship with us. We can have fellowship with them. Indeed, our fellowship is what? With the Father. And with His Son, Jesus Christ. These things we write so that our joy may be made complete. Now, they're talking about the fact they were having fellowship with the Father. They were experiencing this thing. That's what they're trying to get through to us. We know about this thing called the eternal life. We've seen it. We've touched it. It was in Christ, the word of life. We had an an experience with the Father. We were in fellowship, and we want to be in fellowship with you. This is exciting stuff. Remember, I'm coming to you as a spy that's been in the promised land. I've been there. And I'm going to tell you. So that you know this is real. I am a witness to you. John 4, 14. 4, sorry, 13 and 14. This is all from the New American Standard. Jesus said to the woman at the well, Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. The water at the well which he's really talking about carnal understanding, carnal life. But whoever drinks of this water that I'll give him shall never thirst. The water that I'll give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. Listen to that again. This is a process he's showing you. He says, the water that I will give you at salvation, right? That it will become in you a well of water that will spring up. That means it'll keep growing and growing and growing to eternal life. Now you got to think, he's talking at this moment on an experience. We think and have been taught that means that when I die, I will receive eternal life. I mean, I get to go to heaven, right? That's not what he's talking about. There is that truth there. But there's far greater revelation here than that. Okay. It'll become much clearer. John 10, 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them. Remember the word know. I don't know of them. I have intimate relationship with them. These are sheep. And they, get this, follow me. 
You see, you can say you're a, sir, a, a, a child of God, one of his sheep, but you have to be intimately acquainted and actually following him to be this. That's his sheep. Do you see that? A lot of people think they're going to heaven that aren't going to make it. Let me say that again. A lot of people think they're going to go to heaven that aren't going to make it. They think they're going to heaven because they said a prayer. Ain't good enough. That's just intellectual. I won't profit you anything. This is what profits you. Knowing God and following him. You must follow him. He says, and I give eternal life to them. And they will never perish. They will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. See that he's greater than everything, including Lucifer. And no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. I and the Father are one. John seventeen two. Even as you have given him authority over all flesh, that to all who, whom you have given him, he may give eternal life. And this is eternal life. Are you ready? That they may know you. This is eternal life. The only true God and Jesus who you sent. So it's to know the Father. Intimate relationship with the Father. This is eternal life. You see this? 1 John 5, 11 to 13. The testimony is this. That God has given us eternal life. And this life is in the Son. It was in the Son. He who has the Son has the life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have the life. These things I've written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. Again, intimately acquainted. No. Tim, Timothy says in uh, 1 Timothy 6.12, Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called, that you may made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So, we're to take hold of this thing. I'm trying to isolate a quality of life I, that's inside Christ that he gives to us. It also is when we step outside of time into the eternal one. But that eternal one has stepped into you. Okay? What does it mean? I'm going to tell you what the promised land's like. John 3, 36. He who believes in the Son has eternal life. But he who does not, here it is, does not obey the Son will not see life. You see, these things really need to be cleared up with people. It clears up the sloppy grace. Sloppy agape. Right? The wrath of God abides on him. I mean, truth, we need the truth, right? Otherwise, we are believing a delusion. Galatians 6, 8. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit from the Spirit will reap what? Eternal life. 
<clears throat> we have a need to sow to the Spirit. John six twenty seven, And then I'll get into some stuff. Do not work. Listen to this. Do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you, for on him the Father God has set his seal. So, there's a food called the body of Christ. Eat my flesh, drink my blood. Um, John six twenty seven. Um, so, it's a process of food that we're eating. I have to eat the food till finally I get full, right? There's a process of eating that will take me on this journey... In obedience, following the Son, to come into this experience of the intimate knowledge of God the Father and the fellowship of the saints in the eternal life. Right? Not when I'm dead. That's a part of it, but that's not what we need to know today. That's not what the church needs to know. In 1976, I was in Jamaica... Not particularly. I'd, I'd already had the experience in the car accident. It's two years later, but I'm still messed up trying to find my way. What the heck's going on? In 1976, the Lord drops this revelation in my heart, or I'll call it in seed form, that he's going to begin to build on over the years. He does that, eh? He sneaks in, drops a little seed, and off he goes. Right? Leaves you there. And that little, you know, five years later, he drops something else on it, or he waters it, and the thing becomes a plant. And you don't even have a clue yet what this is all about. But it's coming. He didn't plant the seed to leave it in the ground. He planted it to grow up tree and bear fruit in your life, right? So in 76, he began this in me. He began to show me that there were, and I knew nothing. I knew less than nothing, because now I probably know nothing. Then I knew less than nothing. The ocean gets deeper the further you go in, man. It's like, holy smokes. You know, just because you're getting spray in your face doesn't mean you know what's six miles down. You know, we think we do, we don't. So, I'm there and, and he's giving me this revelation. This is a revelation. John, there are levels of perception. I don't know what it means at the time. He shows me the first level. And I happened to be in the middle of the jungle in Jamaica in 76, where there'd only been a road three years to where I was. So literally, I was in the jungle. You know, you meet people in the night, you see white teeth is all you see, and a machete, and you're kind of hoping they like you. Because meanwhile, they're killing white people a few hours away in the city. I don't know. I'm just high having a good time. I don't know that at the time. So he shows me the lowest level is dog-eat-dog. Right? That's where humanity starts. That's where Cain killed Abel. That's so that if you steal from me, I'm coming over and I'm going to steal from you and burn your house down the way out. Humans are like this. It's a low level. The state of carnality. But then he showed me levels of perception. And this should really make you hungry. The highest level, the pure in heart will see God. Eternal life. Then, he puts this in me and I'm kind of like, what? 
And then he begins to show me scales on people's eyes and how he lifts them from level to level. And that later on, and I'm just giving you a quick synopsis on that, later on, he basically shows me that um, because I thought you had to be good, and if I get good enough, that eventually, you know, I'll be the righteous. And, you know, it's the self-righteous spirit, right? That I'll get to see God. Right? I didn't get it at all. So he had to break down that lie. And he began to say to me, the pure in heart will see. The word see there is to perceive, to be aware, to come into. Right? It's the same thing in John 3.16. Right? Where it says about the kingdom of God. Except you be born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. It's to perceive, to be aware of, to dwell in. Right? Perception. To know. Obviously, what's happening up here to me about a half an hour ago, was a perception I was in that some of you weren't. That's what we're talking about. I'm aware. I'm in something. It's real. Okay. We want to be born again, or we can't perceive the kingdom in Jesus and the Father. That's where he wants to take us. And we know this. Then he began to show me in 2 Corinthians 3.18, But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are what? Being transformed into the same image from glory, perception, to glory, to glory, to glory, as from the Lord the Spirit. So the Spirit's at work in us to bring us into this place of being aware of the eternal life. In 1974, no, was it? Yeah, it was. No, sorry, 1978, I'm in the bathroom, I have an open vision, and one of the things God gives me, and plants in there is the seed, I see these people as bright lights all over the globe. And I knew they were in heaven. And I'm standing there, having a brain warp, obviously, saying, God, I thought you had to die to go to heaven. He didn't say anything to me at the moment, but later said, yeah. Romans chapter 6, right? So what he was saying was, that there is a eternal life. You can walk in the heavenly realm on the planet. There may be a time that you lay your body down, obviously, and step into that place that's absent of time. But the gospel is also about now, the promised land. And the promised land isn't when you're dead. We don't worship death. As setting us free, we worship the cross. Big difference. People worship death without even knowing they have that altar. God, it was an enemy of God, right? So, he gives me this and he begins to show me that this is what's going to happen. This is where I want to take you. Because he said to me, I am the light of the world. I am in you. And you will be a light. So, the seed got planted in me, 
and I began a far journey to a place nearby, so when I arrive, I'll realize that I've always been. That's what started in the bathroom. He planted a seed to take me on a journey, a far journey. That was 1978. Then I go down years later to Niagara-on-the-Lake for a a weekend. And as I walk down, he's been speaking to me about seeing the veils and everything. I walk down, and just like the guy with the yellow shirt in the story I told you at the beginning in Israel, here's a sailboat parked right at the end of the dock of the path I'm walking down on the lake with perception written right down the side of it. I meant to bring it and show it to you this morning, but it's neither here nor there. Joe, I think Joe might have been with me. There it was. So God wanted to get my attention saying, John, this is very important what I'm showing you here. It's perception. People live in their perceptions, their paradigms. Remember he told me you can be imprisoned in a paradigm. So he's wanting to get through to me. Then I began to have these experiences with the eternal. The promised land. Twice, which lasted at least an hour to two hours. I don't really know, because time became sort of obsolete. I was on Forest Road during the time. I woke up in the morning in heaven. Okay, I opened my eyes. I'm completely aware of the eternal world. I'm completely aware of, of Christ. It's amazing. I'm in this place, this dimension, for like an hour or so. At this state in my walk, I was very careful. I didn't want it to stop by something I'd say, thinking it had a bearing on me, like I'd arrived on something I'd done. And so I didn't say anything. I just sat there in it, kind of enjoying God. Now, this lasted, like I said, for at least an hour or not longer, and then slowly dissipated. Now, in that place, nothing changed. If I looked around, my eyes were open, by the way. I didn't have to have them closed. I could see the dresser. I could see my bed. I could see the door to the bathroom. And yet it was a completely different place. I, I have really hard time with English in this because it's very hard to tell you try to bring you into the understanding of what this is. But it's like the very molecules, the very um, things that were holding everything together were completely different. And yet, they looked the same. Because God was um, being revealed in everything. And I was in it. It was well-being. It was ecstasy. It was being home. Now, this happened a couple of times there. Then later I went for a deliverance. Well, it was actually a conference. I'd ended up with me getting a deliverance in a room um, at Singing Waters. And I got delivered from the spirit of death that had been trying to kill me a few times. And I got to see the spirit coming into my grandmother's house, through the the, uh, roof, down into my bedroom, and then into me. And as this thing lifted off, and there was also the fear of death, I'd always had a a feeling of, um, one day i got to go through this black door, right? And I hope i got my sword on me, right? And you know, it's kind of a scary thing. And as soon as the spirit came off me, I was already there. I stepped out of my body, 
I'm standing here looking down and there's no door. I'm in the kingdom. I'm in heaven. It was amazing. And I loved it. So now I took the glasses off, called the fear of death, threw them away. That spirit left. And all of a sudden it was like, wow, what a lie that was. And I was enjoying God. So, I began to have moments of this. And we're getting there. I'm going to give you some individuals as well. We were having moments of this thing. And I'm going to tell you a revelation that I got just this week. That I've pondered on for a while. So I have moments of this experience. But sometimes I've had extended periods of being in the promised land. Right? So then, um, God arranges for a, a man named Jason Westerfield to come to my house. And him and I went straight in. I mean, God the Father and Jesus, they were so near and so present in the room that their bodies wouldn't have changed anything. Like, it meant nothing that they had a physical body. That's just for me. I didn't need it. They were there. I could hear them talking to me just like you're hearing my voice right now. We were just communicating like this constantly. It was amazing. And so as I'm in this place, I, you know, it was, again, a place of, I, I don't even have words. I mean, ecstasy, bliss, well-being, Abba, uh, home, coming home. I used to call it Grandma's house, cooking cookies, making cookies. I'm trying to find a for a term that will meet you in your heart, right? Sometimes when the Lord's presence comes on me, I'll see myself um, all at once. I can see my life right back to when I was a little child. And I remember being five years old at that moment. And it just goes, and I can see it all at once. And God's in it all. It's like him saying, I know you, son. I've always known everything about you and I'm here. There's nobody that knows you like me. That's who he is. You can't hide from this guy, by the way. You think you are, but you can't. It's just a veil. It's here. He's here right now. And all of his glory is in this room right now. And he's calling us to home plate. It's what he's doing. And so I have this powerful experience. And this one lasted for a while. And we were seeing into dimensions and all kinds of stuff. And then he makes this statement... That, that comes in, and I, I say that it, it grabs hold and anchors onto my soul. And it's this. John, he says, this has already happened. I've just come here to confirm it. Now, I'm thinking time, because God's messed me with time ever since the car accident. He put a seed in me that I can't give you the fruit from it yet, because it's still growing. I don't get it. It's growing. That means one of these days I'll be able to tell you. But not yet. There's no fruit on that tree. This one, I took it into that realm and I'm trying to fit the things together. God, what is this? What does this mean? This week, he quickens to me and this is the answer. He says to me, John, this realm of eternal realm, you've been here before. 
I'm just confirming this is a real place. I'm here to confirm to you, yes, this is real. Get to it. Go to it. Don't hold back from it. You see, what does communion mean? Common union. To be in common union with the Father. Salvation is for now. It's not for when you're dead. The world depends on us. Rounding the plate. You don't see them running to the churches. And the reason they're not running is, where are the guys on home plate? Where are the apostles? Where are the prophets? The real prophets, where are they? Right? They're still in the closet. God is still working in them until they know what this is all about. To live in Christ. What does that mean? Right? The other thing he's been pressing with me this last week in this whole area is subjective and objective Christianity. I believe this is a defining line where I'm going to begin to recognize who are the believers. Remember I did a message once called The Believing Believers? That's a big one. Seriously. The dividing line. How do I know the difference? Because there are people in the outer court... Right? There are prophets prophesying, and there's healers healing, and all this stuff's going on out here. But what are they doing? They're talking about God who's in there. They're prophesying, and God shall come, and God shall do this. God did this, and he has come. That's the problem. They're objectively looking from a distance at an object. Waiting to the day they die and preaching a message, worshiping the spirit of death as the very road that leads them to life. Which isn't the gospel. It's not the gospel. It's the cross is the gospel. The cross, not death, is the gospel. I got delivered from the spirit of the fear of death because I'm alive. As I'm living and Christ is in me. Christ is in me. I'm not trying to get him. Why would I do that? I've been got. Have you been got? Subjective Christianity is me submissing, being submissive, submitting to the creator of the universe and coming into intimate revelation, intimate experiential relationship with him. This is good stuff. It's like we found the, the, the gold at the end of the rainbow called God. That's what we want. An intimate experience. And I think as God defines this in me, I think I'm going to hear it. When somebody starts speaking, I'll know right away if they're subjective or or objective. And I won't even need to listen if they're objective, because really, what do they got for me? Go ahead, prophesy, brother. Can you help me? Can you help me find Jesus who is right here with me, talking to me right now? Why do I need that? Right? It was good. It's for a purpose. It's for a reason. You need it up here. Right? Right? 
You need it up there. But eventually, no one, it says, will need to speak to his brother because all will know God. We'll walk with him. We'll talk with him. That's the purpose of Christianity, is to be one with Christ and fellowship with the saints. They're here. They're not dead, by the way. The saints, the cloud of witnesses, they're in the room here now. How do I know? Because I'm speaking truth, a message, and they draw to it. They're here. We just don't perceive. But God wants us to. God wants us to. There are people talking to Enoch. There are people talking to individuals. They don't seek them. They come to them. So far, it's only happened to me in my dreams. Catherine Coleman. Um, The guy from Canada. uh, Charles Templeton. It's real. It's real. They're in the race with us. They care about the race. They just ran before us. I'm running because they ran. I can't run without William Brenham. Brenham paved the street. That's what we want to know. Me in Christ and Christ in me. Living in Christ. The very thing called my position in Christ. That's what Reese Howell talked about. Remember, he, do you remember Reese's experience? He breaks through. Some guy comes to him. I won't get into the whole story, but somebody comes to him. Can you teach us about your position in Christ? And the Holy Spirit says to him, hey, you may want to know what it is before you teach it. Right? So he shut up. Over a period of time, some things happen to him. He comes in. And it says this. This is what I love. It says this. That moment... It says, the heavens opened. He stepped into the throne room with the Father and the Son and says he never left. Why? Because he began to live in the eternal realm. Here. Now. He walked in it. He was experiencing. I love that when it says, and he never left. I went, yes. That's what I want. I want to go into this realm of Awareness, the pure in heart shall see God, and not leave. And not leave. But live there. And now, my life will be beneficial to the world. Because Christ will live his life through me. Where he's planned. When I say me, I'm always talking about you, by the way. I'm just, here's an example. It's all of us, corporately. So, I'm going to give you some quick examples. Elijah, 2 Kings 2.11, as they were going along and taking and talking, behold, there appeared a chariot of fire, horses of fire, which separated the two of them, Elijah and Elisha, and Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. He never died. If that man never died, that means he has a physical body on, just like you right now, and he can come into this room. He could speak this morning. Can't he? Where is he? He's alive. That means he knew all about this prior to the whirlwind taking him up because he was already walking in the dimension with God. Stands to reason, doesn't it? I know I'm assuming just a little bit, but hey. Now let's look at John, Revelation 1. 
I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice like the sound of a trumpet saying, you see, he was in the spirit on the Lord's day. Where are you right now? Are we not in the spirit? Is this not the Lord's day? Of course it is. He says, write in a book what you see and send it to the seven churches at Ephesus, Samaria, Pergamum, whatever. The seven churches. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking with me, and having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. In the middle of the lampstands, I saw one like son of man, clothed in a robe, reaching to his feet, girded across his chest a golden sash. His head and his hair were white like wool, like snow. His eyes were a flame of fire, his feet burnished bronze. And when it it has been uh, like it's been made to glow in a furnace and his voice, the sound of many waters in his right hand. He held seven stars out of his mouth came a sharp two edged sword and his face shone like the sun shining in its strength. This guy is alive like you and me on Patmos. Does not the Bible say I am no respecter of persons? They are lights on a road for you. They're not like, oh, but he was an apostle. They're lights. They're little neon signs going, you, that, why are they in the Bible? They're in there for a purpose. They're a neon sign going, walk this way, walk this way, walk this way. That's what it's for. It's to wake you up. Walk this way. You see what happened? There's no reason why we're in the... In, in the uh, in the spirit on the Lord's day, and I'm up here speaking or we're worshiping, and the next thing you know, you look, and Jesus is standing right there, just like he did on Patmos. Why not? What's preventing it? Your sin? Then you know where you are on this thing, don't you? Your lack of intimacy, the fruit of it? It's right there. Do you have a problem with sin? Then you need to have the freedom, the gift, the fruit of intimacy bringing you into freedom. Some run out the door at that point when they get some intimacy and they think that grace means, woohoo! Paul addressed that. You see, there's a thing called maturity. We love the baby and how beautiful it looks, don't we? But at some point, the child will mature and grow up. Everything around us is speaking to us. You must mature as a Christian. You can't stay like this. A 50-year-old in a diaper sitting on Brad's lap is not what God intends. Right? The cuteness leaves at some point when the diaper gets heavier. You're still cute, but you're not wearing a diaper, I hope. Are you? Okay, just check it. So then we have Enoch in Genesis 5, 23 and 24. All the days of Enoch were 365 years. He walked with God, was not, because God took him. I'm almost done. By faith, he was taken up so that he would not see death. And he was not found because God took him. He obtained the witness that before him being taken up, he pleased God. Now, you know the story, don't you? If you read the books of Enoch, you know that Enoch would leave, hang out with God, Hang out with the angels, the watchers. Even the demonic realm came to talk to him to get, try to get back in. There's a lot of stuff there. Enoch was walking in this realm on the earth. And then eventually was no more. 
He just stepped over. That's all he did. The two realms coming together, right? Until you're seeing both. And then eventually, he's so much a part of that one that God just says, let's go. Right? It's not like he all of a sudden was whipped up in the sky somewhere. He just became not visible to those with veils. Right? He's still got a body. Enoch could come and share with us. And maybe he will. When we finally get far enough into this stuff, who knows what God will send. How, we're all getting all freaked out now about Leviticus. Why was Moses and Elijah come to Jesus? Why'd they come and talk to him? Wasn't that against scripture? No, it wasn't. They're not dead. Okay, here's a guy. Listen to this. I just got a quote from him. This guy we think might have disappeared in 1929. Sunder Sai. He says, This communion of the saints was a fact so real in the experience of the early church. Drink this. That it is given a place among the necessary articles of their faith as stated in the Apostles' Creed. Once in a vision... I asked the saints for a proof from the Bible of this communion of saints and was told that it was to be found clearly given in Zechariah 3, 7-8, where those that were standing by were not angels, but saints in glory. And God's promise on condition of Joshua fulfilling his command is that he will be given a place of access to walk among them, the saints that stand by, and these are his fellows, the spirits of men made perfect, with whom he could commune. Oh my gosh. Do you hear this? That he could commune. I'm sure it's bending your uh, grid at the moment, but it means that the apostles were probably talking to David and Ezekiel and Enoch. And there's a scripture base for it. It means Joshua was. And I have this promise. It was given to me. That's one of the reasons I'm pursuing to walk there. Besides the fact that it's amazing. This makes Christianity worthwhile, especially all the jazz we go through. We go through this jazz all the time. It's part of a working out of in us. Cast your cares before me, for I care for you. Doesn't mean he's just concerned. It means he's about your business. It's coming into a letting go and rest. It's a process, man. It takes years for us to let go. Right? Why should I let God do it when I can do a better job? Really? That's what we think. Because I can get in the car, i got money, and I know where the grocery store is. Right? Let me carry on with Mr. Sunder. There is a repeated mention of spirits, saints, and angels in this book. The distinction I would make between them is that spirits are good or bad, which 
after death exist in a state of intermediate between heaven and hell. We know this, right? Paradise, we called it. Jesus called it. Um, Saints are those who have passed on through this stage into the higher sphere of the spiritual world and have had special service allotted to them. Angels are those glorious beings to whom all kinds of superior service have been allotted, and among them are included many saints from other worlds as well as from this world of ours, who live together as one family. They serve one another in love, in the... uh, in, I don't know what the word, infulgence of God's glory and are eternally happy. The world of spirits means that inter, intermediary state into which spirits enter after leaving the body. By this spiritual world is meant all spiritual beings that process through stages between, listen to this, the darkness of the bottomless pit and the throne of the Lord of light. I read this, and I believe that much of this process can be done here. That's what we're doing. If you die in a low state, right, the process still has to go on. Because death wasn't your answer. The cross was, and the cross is here, and it's happened. Do you see this? We have been given a lie. We believe That the moment you die, death being our great worship God, that all of a sudden I step into eternity fully aware, fully knowing, can go right into the throne room. Lie. Do you think a soul is able to make that kind of a transition that quickly? How long has it taken you here? You're a spirit, you're a soul. Yeah, there's some clutter around us. But you know what the Lord showed me once in the midst of it? It was a gift to me. My circumstances and this thing called time, which I hated, was an enemy, was a gift to me to cause me to be frustrated and wake up. It's like bumping into walls and eventually go, there's got to be a frickin' door here somewhere. And you find the door. That was frickin'. So you got to find the door somewhere to get through. So at that point, as soon as God the Father said that to me, I've been free ever since of time. I'm not even worried about it. I used to wrestle with that thing. It was almost like I was in this war with it constantly. I don't even think about it now as far as that angle of it because I realize it's a gift. I've been given a gift called the human experience so that I might grow as a spirit Right? From glory to glory to glory. I want to get this stuff. You know where I want to be? And this is not a a, a selfish thing, even though it might be. It's a place that's offered to every human being that was ever born. That we can end up where God would intend us to end up is right by his side in full open light in the throne room. Full revelation of who he is. And the universe, everything, full knowing. But at death, probably few do. Because the process still has to happen. 
And he said to me once in the night, it takes a lot more time here than it does there. Why, Father? Because of complacency. Because think about it. And then he showed me visions of the veil. Right? Visions of the veil, but those kids that from the orphanage. He said, do you remember how incredibly um, blessed they were when they first entered in the gate? They were all sitting on the grass going, oh my gosh, look at this place. Remember when you were born again? Look at this place. And they're so excited. The grass was greener and water was flowing. It's beautiful. And they were experiencing the presence of God. It was heaven. Then the other kids come along that had already died and lived there and said, Hey, come on, come on. We're going to go see the Father. And they said, Have you seen this place? They didn't want to leave. How many years do you think, in our concept again, because I'm in time, so I can think. How long do you believe you could remain there in ecstasy in the presence of God and think you've arrived before you wake up and go, there must be some more to this. I've never seen him, actually. Look at the church on this side of the veil. Is that not what you're seeing? The same process? Only here, your circumstances that you try to escape which I called myself the great escape artist. I want to be happy and live on the hill, right? Are actually something that's trying to wake you up, your spirit, that you're not a God. And that you can know God. It's frustration. Holy frustration. If you find yourself in a rough place right now, what did they say? Count it all joy. We don't know what that means because we haven't quite understood it yet. Well, some of us might have. That's probably wrong for me to say that. I don't know your life. But I don't know what it means to be left for dead. Paul, how many times did he die and got whipped 39 lashes and all this stuff went on? And yet he seemed to be a pretty ecstatic guy, right? He knew something I don't know. He knew about home plate. Right? Sunder, I told you, disappeared in 1929. He was going up in the mountains in Tibet and never to see again. They didn't find his body. So they're not sure if he ended up with that 500-year-old intercessor they found in the mountains. Right? Or took over for him. Or he's with Enoch and the boys. Right? In the ministry. There's a statement, and I'm almost at the end. There's a statement that we always say, the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Think about it. In the light of his glory and grace. The things of this world, this worldly realm. The process of revelation is the lights coming on. I'm just going to quickly say what I did a few weeks ago in this light. At the fall, we chose our own knowledge and wisdom. Calopsis is a veil, a Greek word for veil, which came over us at the fall. God's knowledge and wisdom is in your heart. It's in all those that are out there lost. Right? But it's veiled from them. And the word apocalypsis or apocalypse is the unveiling or the opening up of the truth. That's what's happening to you and I. We're, we're, we're in an apocalypse. 
the apocalypsis is taking place. So the book of Revelation is the apocalypse, which is the lifting of the veil. John, right, seen something not of his own mind, but in the spirit on a deeper level. We teach what we see. So it was revealed revelation or apocalypsis that was going on. Enlightenment, the word enlightenment in the scripture, is the word photiso, which is like a photo. Which is take, when you take a picture, the shutter of the camera must open and let the light come in in order for there to be an image on it. Otherwise, you'll take pictures all day and they'll be black. And so that their word, in that fotiso word, is like the shutter or the veil. If it doesn't open, you don't get to see. This is what happened again at the fall. The veil hides the truth and we can't get to it spiritually. You can't buy it. You can't do anything. But it is opening as you go towards the Lord and allow this work to go on. He brings you in. Just a couple of days ago, Maya sent me this, and I scaled it down just this part of the word that, that, that she got. She said this. She's in the spirit, and this is the word that came through her. She started getting the Christ, the Christ, the Christ. It can be the Christ, but not the Christ. It can be of the Christ, but not the Christ. It can be of the Christ, but not the Christ. This is the plumb line. I had an awareness that we are so close and yet far. All things of Christ are good, encouraging signposts of things to come, but they are not the Christ. Even angelic encounters are awesome, but they point to the Christ. They are not the Christ. Prophecies are of Christ, but they're not Christ. Visions and dreams are of Christ, but they are not Christ. Spiritual experiences are of Christ, but they're not the Christ. All we desire is of Christ, but it's not the Christ. In these experiences, I began to understand what hinders our desires. And listen to this, everybody. What hinders our desires is that we desire our desires, but they're not the Christ. Until we align our eyes with the plumb line called Christ and Christ alone, we hinder our own walks. We have a mixture in us. And union cannot happen with mixture. This home plate will not happen as long as everybody's running after just their desires, whether it's prophecy, healing, whatever those things are. It's not Jesus. It's the work of his hands. One thing intimacy has taught us that we look kind of silly about is that we've stopped and realized we need Jesus. And Jesus, when we finally come to the plate, habitation, that's where you build it, he'll come. Habitation will take place, and he'll work, not us. Right? I end with this. This thing called the home plate, eternal life. Is it not Ezekiel 47, the river, the ankles, 
up, over, finally, you can't swim. Is it not my position in Christ by Reese Howell? Christ in me, me in Christ. Is it not Paul? I know a man that was caught up to heaven, whether in the body or the spirit, I don't know. Where was he really? What did he mean by that? I don't know if he was in the body or not. He knew. He's talking to us. Heaven. The word heaven itself, if you look it up, it's the abode of God. It's where God dwells. Wherever God is, is heaven. That's why I said I was in heaven. That's why the lights he showed me on the globe, he said, this is heaven. And they were still on the earth. See, I'm st- I, mean, I need to quit worshiping death, man. If you have been, you need to repent of it. It's sin. It's an altar. It's idolatry. You're committing idolatry. It's what you're doing without even knowing it. Isn't it amazing how the devil just subtle slips you off into a room? The spirit of religion says, have a nice day. That ought to take care of you for the rest of your life. There's a lot of people in that room, by the way. Heaven is the abode of God. It's a dimension of bliss, a place the mystics all wrote about being undone in the agape love. This is eternal life. Do I live there? No, not yet. This is me. Do I live there? No, not yet. But like the spies who went ahead and visited and said, it is a land flowing with milk and honey, I've been brought there and I witness to you that it is more than, a, more than great It's almost hard to put into English except to say the place of bliss and well-being coming home into Christ and to my Father. My journey ends where it began, and I've fixed my eyes like flint on Jesus because he is my home, and I know he loves me, and I love him. This is the journey that God has called us to. This is what excites me. I'm sad that there is not more people, but that's not my issue or my problem. That's his. And part of that may be for my own dying. Part of that might be for my own crushing, for me. But is it worth it? Absolutely, because if I gain anything and it's not Christ, what did I gain? At the end of the day, was it really worth it? I'd sooner get this process over sooner than later. I don't want to wait for 400,000 years in eternity, that extension over the hump. I don't want to do that. Wouldn't it be great to be like Enoch? He's a light on the path. Wouldn't it be great? We're walking in an awareness, you know? And you see the cloud of witnesses and they walk over and start talking to you. You see angels. You see Jesus. You see. And then one day, maybe like Enoch, you'll just say, you know what? I like it too much here, God. I find myself bumping into doors because I kind of don't see them. Because they're not in your house. What is that? You know, I don't know. Or maybe he'll choose to take you through that thing called laying down your house, your tent. That's his business. But we, this for sure I know. God has called us to the home plate. I've been there. I know it exists. I don't live there, but I plan to. 
That's my promised land. That's my destination, is home plate. And uh, that's why I, I share it. Let's stand. I pray, Lord, that you would take this message that I brought today, this word, and I pray, Lord, that you would bring revelation from heaven in each of our hearts, that this would not just be stay informational knowledge, but God, each one of us would see where we are on this diamond. And we would recognize where it is you want to take us. Lord, I ask for an infusion of faith because we'll need it to believe that it's even possible to experience the the manifest presence of God in them, through them, and all around them. To know what it is to be in Christ. To know what it is be in the garden. Lord, wake us up. I release this word in obedience to you. In Jesus' name, amen.